Episode 7 of Thinking Out Loud. Wow, I've tried to start this podcast about four times in the last 24 hours, and just as I'm about to start recording, something else happens in the US presidential election. Um, it's hard to know where to start, um, I've, but I think the best thing to do is to start where, with how I watched the election night unfold. Um, I was watching the live feed from War Room Pandemic, who ran an eight-hour show on YouTube. And they had basically, in addition to the normal crew, they had a data analyst who had a live feed into all of the election count centers as the votes were being uploaded during the night. And he was analyzing data and looking at prediction models and that kind of stuff. And they also had lawyers there because I think the Trump campaign knew from the very beginning that there was going to be issues come the end of the count process. And they were kind of expecting there to be some issues around these mail-in ballots. And sure enough, there was, <laughs> there's evidence everywhere that there's problems in multiple states. Um, so as the election night progressed, things were looking pretty good for Trump all through from Florida was the first big battleground state that um, was up for grabs and it became quite clear quite early that Trump was going to win it. Um, curiously, it took the TV networks a few hours to kind of declare um, Florida for Trump and that gives you some indication as to one theme of the night with the major news networks, which was were very early calling on certain states for Biden and they had to several TV networks had to uncall or rescind their um call for Biden in states like Virginia and Arizona. Now Biden ultimately went on to win Virginia but they were counting them as the vote closed in some of these states. And with regard to Arizona, the count is still going on and it now looks as of 7 o'clock this evening that Trump has a better than evens odd of winning that state now. So that will throw another spanner into the works. But getting back to election night, um, things are going from, you know, six six o'clock Eastern time in the United States till about 2 o'clock in the morning. The clear trend everywhere was that Trump was winning everywhere he needed to win. So up to 2 o'clock a.m., Trump was ahead. Now, he was in tight races in North Carolina and Georgia, but ultimately started to eke out enough of a lead where it looked like he was going to win those states. Same story in Philadelphia, uh, in Pennsylvania, our, uh, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And we'll focus on those five just as a timeline on what kind of happened. So at half two on 
the in the early morning of I suppose the fourth of November, a curious thing happened. All these states, battleground states, announced that they were going to stop counting votes. Now, Trump was at that time close to eight hundred thousand votes ahead in Pennsylvania. He was over two. He was two hundred and seventy thousand votes ahead in Michigan, and he was, I think, a hundred and ten up around the hundred thousand mark ahead in Wisconsin to give two, uh, to give three examples. So when this happened, Trump came out in a press conference and Joe Biden came out in a press conference. And Joe Biden had a curious attitude in that he more or less said he thinks that, you know, once all the votes are counted, he's going to win. At this stage, he was odds against winning nearly all of the battleground states he was talking about. This was followed about an hour later by Trump, who came out and he was quite irate that they stopped counting at that stage because he needed just two more states to be declared the winner, really, if you consider that North Carolina and Georgia were called by a number of TV networks because they ran out of votes, basically, to count. Um, so he ended up by saying, you know, I think we've won. We'll find out more, blah de blah We'll get back to it in the morning. So what happened then was curious. I, I stayed up because I the minute that three or four states altogether decided that they were going to stop counting, which was odd in itself because you're talking about 10.30 in the evening US time or 11.30 in the evening US time uh, in most of these states. They hadn't been counting that long. So I thought it was curious. And then because what I was noticing during the night was that the volume of people that were watching the election online through online streams. So you were you know, I was watching more on pandemic. They ended up having over a million people watch their their output. And, you know, Ben Shapiro, Stephen Crowder, and like five or six others. There was literally millions of people watching the election online as opposed to the more traditional methods of watching the main TV networks. Now, and millions watched it on there also. But the curious thing to me was... It was the first election where I would say the results, the election night was followed online more than it was through the traditional television networks. Now, that's I don't have any stats to back that up other than the millions. I, I was dipping in and out of five or six different online outlets, and they were all in the millions, like of how many people were watching it, watching the individual streams. So I thought, oh, that's curious. And just when all these election centres started to say they were going to stop voting. I just, the thought went in my head is, you guys should all stay online till the morning, till the news networks pick back up in the morning, because there was a dead zone of about five hours where, you know, the 10 or 11 online streams shut down, shut down their coverage to be picked up again in the morning. And as it so happens, <laughs> I said... I'm going to try and follow this on on online as much as I can through t whether through Twitter or through election board sites and that kind of stuff because I just had a feeling something was going to happen but I had a clue what could happen because as far as I was concerned well they have all the votes they know how many that they've left to count it's just a matter of counting them and based on the maths of all the individual states 
there wasn't enough votes out there for even if Joe Biden won all the votes in some of these states, he couldn't have won. So the first odyssey occurred at 4 a.m. U.S. time, and it was in the state of Michigan, where suddenly on the uh, election site for Michigan, 136,000 votes were dumped onto the results for Joe Biden. And when I say 136,000 votes were dumped, it was 136,000 to zero for Trump. And it immediately put him from eight back into, you know, he was neck and neck with Trump. And I was looking, diving down over the last day to try and get figure what what happened here. Because it, it certainly had to be mail-in votes. It couldn't have been election day votes because they, they more or less had most of that counted. Now, sure enough, what's transpired over the last day is that they found a, a load of mail-in ballots from three counties, as far as I'm aware, around Detroit. And these vote, these baskets of votes were brought to the election center at between 3.30 a.m. and 4, 4 o'clock on the morning of the election, on that mo- that, at, in that time. And there's, you know, you can go online, you can see some video evidence of some of this going on. And it's, you know, the security around the convention center where they're counting the votes in the state of Michigan is just in in the city of, for the, for the city, I think, of Detroit, is just, it's chaos inside of it. People are walking in and out of there with bags, trolleys, all this kind of stuff. So anyway, what... They're expecting the people of the United States to believe is that these hundred thirty-six thousand votes from these three counties uh, are legitimate, and I suppose we're going to get to the bottom of whether they are or they aren't over the next weeks and possibly months. So that was the first thing that happened. Then what happened was at six a.m. there was a drop. Six a.m. Irish time. So no, six a.m. U.S. East Coast time, and there was another drop. I think in in Wisconsin. Now I may have Michigan and Wisconsin mixed up in the times that they happened, but the two vote dumps. There was another hundred thousand plus vote dump into Wisconsin at six in the morning, and basically these two dumps switched the entire state around. Those two states around, they went from heavy Trump win to likely Biden wins now and. Some news networks have now called these two states for Joe Biden. They can call all they want, but they, like there, there's going to be a, there's going to be a recount in Wisconsin because it's that close, and there's there's even more evidence about what went on in Michigan because there's video evidence, there's poll watchers, there's U.S. postal workers who are coming out as whistleblowers. So there's. The mountain evidence that a lot of funny business went on in those two states. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out in the next two or three days. Pennsylvania is probably even more interesting because I think I even said in one of the earlier podcasts was that Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia has a history of being dubious when it comes to elections. On the day of the election, there was you know anecdotal evidence of poll watchers, Republican poll watchers not being allowed into certain precincts to monitor the vote. And I thought when when I heard that on election day, I thought you know 
okay, but I thought it was just I, I thought it was a good sign. I said this is probably the first time anyone's gone to the this much effort to try and monitor the vote in Philadelphia and it'll probably make them do things the legitimate way. Well, more fool me <laughs> for being that naive. Um because I think Philadelphia will prob or Pennsylvania will probably show in the end to have been the absolutely most corrupt um voting system that was in place. On two days before the election, the governor of Pennsylvania, I think in conjunction in conjunction with the Attorney General, our Secretary of State for Pennsylvania, two days before the elections, announced the following that mail in ballots would be accepted up to two days after the election and it was no longer required that the postmark on the mail in ballot had to be from the day of or days before the election. So it didn't matter what date they were stamped. They'd accept mail-in ballots for two days after the election. Now, this is absolutely bonkers stuff because, as I was saying, at 2.30 a.m. on the 4th of November, Trump had an 800,000 vote lead in the state. As I speak now, tonight, it's down to 40,000. Last, and there's been two or three mail-in ballot dumps over the last... 36 hours the latest one was this morning i think at 500 it was 500,000 or some they found 500,000 ballots somewhere now you might say ah they that these could be all legitimate maybe they could be all legitimate but the fact of the the fact of the matter is if you examine how many how many people were sending in mail in ballots in the days leading up to the election i think that's the circumstantial evidence you should focus on because I was keeping an eye on it and brought it up in previous podcasts. In, in, in states that had no big early in-person voting, so where unlike Florida and Texas, which ran as, they, they ran like clockwork, those two states. And I even commented this before, it was because they had the perfect combination of how to run a successful election. They had the opportunity to mail in your ballot. They had the opportunity to vote in person for two weeks before the election and you could vote on the day of the election. So you were, and surprise, surprise, you had massive increases in turnout in Florida and Texas. And one of the narratives that was said before the election was that a high voter turnout was bad for Trump. Well, Trump easily won both of those states on record voter turnout. So that myth was debunked, if you like. But Pennsylvania was an interesting state because I think up to the day before the election, the Secretary of State was only reporting 1.5 million mail-in ballots sent out. It was very low for a state that had no in-person early voting. So I'm, uh, my comment at the time was the pressure is going to be on Trump to get his vote out on the day because you only had one day really to do your voting. So where I would be looking is... In the days before the election, how many people were sending in mail-in ballots? How many people were returning mail-in ballots? In most states, it was going like, well, 100,000 today, 150,000 today, 200,000 today. There's, it, it has a certain, you can project from that, you know, how many, how many were getting sent in each day up to election day. Now, what we're seeing is that are we being expected to believe is that if I was mailing in a ballot, would how lunatic would I be 
to post it on the day of the election. If I was 100% concerned that it may not get counted, I want my ballot to be counted. If I really um, want it to be counted, would I post it on the day of the election? Now, a certain percentage will. Maybe they forgot. Maybe they did this or that. But you're expecting me to believe that the way people did it in Pennsylvania was everybody, or five times or six times more people in Pennsylvania mailed in their ballot on the day of the election than they did the day before, or the day before that, or the day before that. It makes it makes absolutely no sense that they would do that because the risk you're taking, you you have to trust the postal service. You have to, you know, something could you don't know you don't know the route your your ballot will take from when you put it into the post office or into a letterbox. It may go to a counting centre, you know, may go to a certain centre. Miles away, it might be change a shift. It could end up being going in the wrong day. Now, you might say that two days before the election is curious timing for them to extend the mail-in bar- ballot period because the way I would look at it is two days before the election, the Democrats in Pennsylvania got very worried about the low volume of mail-in ballots being returned, and they said, "Oh my God, I thought we'd have more." So they extended it out two days, in my opinion, so that they could gather mail-in ballots, ballot harvest mail-in ballots, and if they needed them, they could disperse them over the two days after the election under the cover of legitimacy, if you like. So Trump has just about got in in time there. He's a number of lawsuits in play to kind of stop what's going on there. And at the time I'm going here, going out to here, he's he's down, he's ahead still by four hundred forty or fifty thousand votes, and I think counting has stopped or it's there's ba- there's they've basically broken this chain of increase that's happening with the Biden vote. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. But I think the narrative here has been to dump as many ballots as you can into the states where you need them. Get the TV networks to call the states for you, and it legitimizes the results pretty quickly. Even though, you know, the media there's no legal basis that because a media company calls the election for a candidate that doesn't have any legal meaning. It just means all it adds is pressure on Trump to concede. And basically, Trump, the Trump campaign needs time to get into the different types of frauds that have been perpetrated around about six different states at the minimum so you basically have the biden campaign are now trying to sprint to a finish so that they can get the media companies to say oh joe biden has 270 electoral college votes he's got a three million voter lead the best thing for this country to bring us all together is you know for trump to concede trump hasn't zero chance of conceding regard and it doesn't i think anyone that's been following things politics in the United States for the last four years will know he cares less about what the people in the media and various walks of life say or do about him so but it was I think it was vital because here we are today Thursday two days after the election and Joe Biden still isn't over 270 electoral college votes with any of the TV networks that's vitally important because they can't call Trump a loser until one of them can put him over the line. So he has the fact that Joe Biden isn't at 270 as we speak 
maybe it'll change by the time I even get off this, but I think the fact that Joe Biden isn't too isn't over 270 as we speak is good news for the Trump campaign because it gives them time to dispatch legal teams to all of the states to dive into the the voter fraud that has gone on here. I you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, "Oh, there's no voter fraud." Look, you're listening to the wrong person. You should just switch off and go somewhere else because as far as I'm concerned, it's clear as day at what's gone on here. I think this is strategized. I think they had they had um a strategy in place for this scenario. If if it got to the crunch in some of the battleground states, they had a mechanism to inject mail-in ballots where required. But what they needed was they needed they couldn't do it or they couldn't do it as early as they wanted, perhaps, in case they got caught. But the other side is they couldn't do it early because they didn't know how many they might need. It was only when it became clear towards the very end in all of these states what what became clear was how many votes they needed to win at the t- at that timing i give out at half 2 in the morning us time when they they, they stopped counting votes the, the vast majority of them states were projecting at themselves as being at 65 70 85 90% counted that's what the project that's the information that they had been providing back to the TV networks and the data analysts that were monitoring the votes for the television company. So what they were saying basically is there's X amount left to count and this we you could trend how the, the, the votes were going, especially the votes from election day, which were heavily in favour of Trump, because his supporters were always urged to vote in person. The majority of the states had their mail-in ballots counted first, which makes sense because the mail-in ballots were all were were they had legal possession of mail-in ballots, the majority of them, before anyone cast an actual vote in a lot of these states. So it would have made sense that those were getting counted first. And what the what you saw in Florida and a, a couple of other states was in the first hour of a state starting to count. Joe Biden had a big lead, and in the initially the the a number of Republicans were getting worried that it was a that it was this was evidence that it was a blue wave, but as you got into the second and third hour, it was very clear once the election day vote started to come in, Trump was eaten back into these leads and overtaking them massively in a few states. So the pattern developed, and it was like we'd see an early Biden lead. And then Trump's vote started to come in. You you could start to gauge when Trump would overtake him, or whether he didn't have enough to overtake him, based on the project projections from the precincts. The other thing is the projections from the precincts never increased. They never went from saying eighty five percent of the Trump vote is counted in states where he won, back to seventy percent, or where he lost. They never once. It this only happened in states that there was an issue around who was going to win. Once it became clear that Trump had the definite advantage in almost all of the battleground states, a sizable advantage, more than a percentage point, that's when all of this nefarious stuff started to happen. Again, you might say that's a coincidence, but when you have five or six coincidences going in the favour of the same person, you have to just 
you know, be very skeptical of what's going on. And now what we're finding the last two days is they're finding 50,000 votes here for Joe Biden, 100, 100 you know, 500,000 mail-in ballots yesterday in Pennsylvania. Where they came from, who knows? The fact that the governor got rid of the necessity to have a postmark on the ballot, you know, that just it that turned it into open season for the last two days. Any, you know, as long as you had a mail-in ballot, you could just fill it in with someone off their voter register and send it in if you knew they didn't vote. And the other curiosity is 91% of Wisconsin registered voters apparently voted. It's an unheard of percentage. There are individual counties in Wisconsin where they had more than the registered number of voters vote in their county. You know, just obvious fraud all over the place. So the state of play as it is at the moment is it's a race against the clock. If you're in the Biden camp, you need your friends in the media and academia and the tech world to be able to call the election for you and start putting pressure on Trump to, to accept it. They're not there yet. So the Trump campaign's strategy is to avoid a situation that Joe Biden is able to get over 270 electoral college votes so that you can find enough time to get your teams into the vote centers to see what actually happened with all of these vote dumps with regard to especially Michigan and Wisconsin. Now, the unfortunate thing for Trump is Michigan and Wisconsin have been called by a number of the TV networks in favor of Joe Biden. And in the initial call to arms, Trump had to focus on the states that still hadn't been called. So to avoid them getting called until vote monitors could go in and monitor the vote count. So he's had more success there. He managed to get the vote in Nevada shut down. The Arizona vote seems to be, now that, that, that they've got people on the ground there, Arizona looks like it's flipping back to Trump. It's going back into the Trump win column. And the other curiosity is, since 2.30 in the morning, no, no, no state has gone for Trump out of like seven or eight. So if Arizona goes back into his column, it'll, it'll be a great, it'll be a bolstering win for him because then his path to victory is opened up again. I think if they can get visibility on Nevada, he's going to win there because he's got only 8,000 votes to make up and they still have vote to count in Nevada, but they've got it shut down until monitors go in. There's ample evidence in Nevada that they have a 30-day residency rule. If you haven't lived in Nevada for 30 days, you're not eligible to vote in the state. Now, there seems to be a lot of evidence that people that have moved away from Nevada but might still be on the voter register voted in the election, Democrats. So if that is the case, now I'm not saying Republicans didn't do the same, but we'll, you know, we'll, this will all come out in the light of day. It's quite clear that the Democrats do not want the flashlights turned on any of these states too brightly. That's what it seems like to me. As far as I'm concerned, I think this whole situation is such a mess that I think they should should just call... I, I think, honestly, it's such a mess. If Trump wins it or Biden wins it, they won't have any legitimacy. 
I think they're 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 going to have to find a mechanism to, to hold the second presidential election. That's what I think. And the others, the I was just about to get on to do this um, kind of update or podcast when I came across ev- um, evidence that Project Veritas discovered this morning, and it's probably the most insidious um, piece of evidence. They have, they have discovered a whistleblower in the U.S. postal system from Michigan that were told on the 4th, the day after the election, to gather up any ballots that might be in the system and to postmark them with November the 3rd. Now, if that is true, that's breaking the law, number one. And number two, it makes complete sense that they would do it because even if you don't know who posted the ballot, you know whose strategy it was to get their voters to mail in ballots. And if they were mailed in, if there was a load of fraudulent mail-in ballots posted on election day, or even the 4th, that made it to the post office on the 4th, you've just legitimized them by postmarking them on the 3rd. So the Inspector General saw this video from Project Veritas. They've launched a separate investigation into what's gone on with the U.S. Postal Service. Um, and that's that's going ahead. So that's something concrete that's going ahead here. But it's just another example of the systemic nature of what's been going on. And it is really looking like it's not just, oh, you know, here's an example of a dead person voting. I think, you know, that probably goes on in every election, certain amount of fraud. But when you see something systemic like U.S. postal workers being told to postmark um ballot envelopes with on for the third now that's that's something different entirely now it's quite i'm sure there's legitimate ballots in that count center on the fourth but that's as far as i'm concerned that's tough luck you had a month to post these back and you're expecting us to have sympathy for you that you decided to wait until the election day to post like anyone that does that doesn't really have much respect for their own vote because you're you're asking about six or seven different sets of hands to go through your ballot to get it to where it needs to be on time. So, you know, I, I, I just don't buy that argument at all. And when you see the multiplier effect of how many ballots came in the day after the election as opposed to the number of ballots that came in the day before the election, and it's multiples of two, three, four, five in some states, and you're expected to believe, oh, yeah, we just found these. Actually, we just found them. I bet you 100,000% that if you do an audit of the Wisconsin and Michigan votes, the physical ballots will not add up to the computerized ballots. I'm just convinced of that. Because I think the situation was so dire in Michigan that I don't even think that they were able to fraudulently produce enough enough of fraudulent ballots to to do what they did so one of the first factors i think you should do is physically count the ballots and see if they match with your totals and i'm i'm convinced that they won't that's just one simple thing you can do because i don't like in and especially in pennsylvania like when you have an eight hundred thousand vote lead in a state that has about six and a half million we think legitimate voters and 65 to 70% of the vote is counted. 
and you've got an 800,000 lead. Are, are you really ex- trying to expect us to believe that of another million votes, 850 or 60,000 of them went to Joe Biden? Now you can argue, oh, maybe mail-in ballots, you know, had the advantage there. In a number of these states, the advantage was like 96% to 4%. And I stated earlier, in two of the dumps in Wisconsin and Michigan, it was 100% for Biden, 0% for Trump. And in one particular county, I think, I don't know, is it Montgomery County? There's a county in Wisconsin that Trump won by 30%, 30 points in 2016. And after the mail dump, he lost that county by 29 points. Now, I've heard of voter turnarounds, but in the States, you can take it as to the bank that if a rural county... If a county goes for Trump by 30, it's a rural county. And if he won it by 30 points, even if you make inroads, that doesn't flip 30 the other side, especially in two states that he spent so much time in. And all evidence showed that he was winning up until the point of these two mail drops. I just can't. Maybe you can buy it, but I can't buy it. I think the fairest, I honestly, I don't know how, I don't even know if there's a mechanism for this, but... If I were, if I were, if if I were in that campaign, I would call for new election because I even if you get through the legal battle here, and he probably will get through. The, like my my point of view on this is, I think he will get through this, but I think he'll destroy the country getting through it. Biden has no legitimacy, even if he can, even if Trump concedes tomorrow, Biden has no legitimacy. It's just plain and simple. Nobody believes anything to do with his candidacy it's a front for the progressive left he won't last a year as president before kamala harris takes on takes over so there's absolutely zero legitimacy and this is just the cherry on top this election so there's ser- like last night there was serious unrest on the streets both left and right and that's going to probably escalate over the next few days but the minute they announced that they were going to send out 90 million ballots to the electors and let them mail them back willy-nilly, it was, uh, this was always going to happen. There was never a question it wasn't going to happen because it's just too open to fraud. So we'll have to wait and see. But as we speak, Joe Biden is about 15 electoral college votes short of his 270. If Trump gets this Arizona win under his belt that's going to put sales that's going to put wind in his sails he'll probably only need pennsylvania that's uh, of course if georgia and north carolina aren't flipped back to biden due to more voter dumps of votes we'll just have to wait and see on that but as it stands at the moment this thing this election looks like it's going to the courts and it's going to be a long drawn out process if the process isn't resolved by the first week of December, the Constitution of the United States allows for the state leg- legislators to decide on who won, who the candidate is. And at the moment, Republicans have 28 state legislators and Democrats have 22, something like that. So if this goes, in one sense, this could if this if this remains murky until the first week of December, then it goes to each state's government to decide who the winner was. And all I'm saying at the, is at the moment, 
that's a 28-22 advantage to Republicans. So that might be the route Trump goes. I don't know. It's unlikely the dozens of lawsuits that are going to be filed in each state will get resolved in a month. So we shall have to wait and see on that one. Um, so yeah, there I'm just streaming off the thoughts and the timelines of stuff that I noticed happening over the last couple of days, and I just thought I'd get them out there. So we'll leave it at that for this episode of Thinking Out Loud. If you have any comments, you can follow me on Twitter at Fox Deplorables, V-O-X-D-E-P-L-O-R-A-B-L-E-S. You can also email email me at voxdeplorables at gmail.com with any questions or thoughts or comments. I'm always happy to listen to them. And we'll see you for the next episode. Thanks for listening. Try my best.